Father, indeed, let your counsel reach unto us. Even this day, as we stand before you, let your word reach unto us, O God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Everyone that is sitting here, hearing your voice, O God, let your spirit open our hearts, O God. Let us not be of them that have eyes, but they cannot see. Or of them that have ears, but they cannot hear. Father, open the eyes of our heart, O God. That we might see you in your word, O God. And that our life will change indeed to give glory to your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Our brother Pinto was giving us a charge that indeed we're not here by coincidence or accident. We're here because the Lord has brought us here to use us and bless us. Amen? So as we look into the word this day, our prayer indeed is that that purpose for which the Lord has called us to be his own will be fulfilled in our lives in Jesus' name. Today we are looking into the scripture and I would like to take my text from a very popular scripture, the book of Psalms. In the book of Psalms, chapter 1, the Bible says, Blessed. Amen? That's such a, that's such a very, you know, wonderful way to start a book. It says, Blessed. Amen? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Amen? I'm trying to, I'm using this for the first time in many years now. (laughs) So I don't know where to put this on. So he said, blessed is the man, okay, I got it, I got it, yes, I have this, no, no, I was trying to preserve it, (laughs) thank you. So he said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor seated in the seat of of the scornful, but his delight, his delight, let, let somebody say delight. delight. What does delight mean? Delight means that that is what makes him happy, right? That's what he goes after. Say his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's what our brother was leading us to pray for, that we should desire the word. His desire, I overheard somebody saying, his desire is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall do what? Shall prosper. Praise the Lord. So that is the blessing that the Lord has pronounced 
for that man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. He does not sit in the seat of the scornful, and he does not delight in the counsel of ordinary men, if you like. Praise the Lord. The Bible says his, his delight is in the word of God. Amen? So, there is, according to this scripture, a counsel that is not of God. There is a counsel of the ungodly, and there is a counsel that is what? That is godly. And today, we're looking at the scripture on, the, on a topic called godly counsel. Amen? In the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 11 Verse 4 says, or rather verse 14, it says, Where no counsel is, the people will fall. Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is what? There is safety. Praise the Lord. In chapter 12, just flip over to the next page, verse 15. He said, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he that hackneth unto counsel is what? Is wise. So if, you want, if, if a fool wants to go from foolishness to wisdom, he begins to, thank you, he begins to hacken unto what? Unto the counsel of God. Amen. If you flip just further in chapter 15, verse 22. He said, without counsel, without advice, without instruction, without guidance, without direction, there is what? He said, without counsel, purposes are what? Are disappointed. You could propose to do something, you could work hard at it, but... There are times in your life when God will be sending you instruction, in fact, sometimes through people, or even as you're sitting here, hearing the voice of God, so that His purpose will be what? Will be fulfilled. But if you don't heed it, and Father was saying that God has a purpose for every one of us. But it's by counsel that such purposes are what? Are established. Otherwise, such purposes will be what? Disappointed. He said, but in the multitude of counselors, they are what? They are established. If you go further down in the book of Proverbs, again, chapter 20, it says, verse 18, every purpose, not one is left out, Every purpose is established by what? By counsel. By instruction of the word of God. By advice from the word of God. Amen? Every purpose is established by counsel. And with good advice. No, Bible says we're not, we're, we're not just here as ordinary men. We're what? We're soldiers. You say with good advice we should do what? 
we should fight if, you know, the fight of faith. Amen? With good advice, we should do what? Make war. So we see, as we are in this world, in an increasingly perverse and decadent world, where the wisdom of the world is, is ever so further away from the wisdom of God. Amen? We realize that as believers, we need to live by counsel. Amen? The counsel is obvious from all the scriptures we've read. God said concerning Israel in the book of Deuteronomy, you know, God had a purpose for Israel. But many times they departed from the counsel of God, from the word of God. And the book of Deuteronomy chapter 32, it says in verse 28, it says, For they are a nation void of what? Of counsel. And there is no understanding in them. Praise the Lord. So we need to heed counsel. We need to receive counsel. And we need to walk by it. But if you look carefully in the book of Psalm 1 that we read, it made us, it made us to understand that not all counsel is godly. There's also the counsel from the world. The counsel that is contrary to the purpose of God. Right? And that's why he says, Blessed is the man that sitteth not in the counsel of the ungodly. In the book of Proverbs 4.14, if we quickly go back, It says, enter not in the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Praise the Lord. The Bible says, evil communication does what? Corrupt good manners. And like our brother was praying for the children, he said, they will not flow with the counsel of their own generation. They will rather influence their generation for God. Amen? That is the purpose of God. So the question then is, how do we recognize ungodly counsel? Or how do we recognize godly counsel? Praise the Lord. I can tell you outrightly, first and foremost, that godly counsel expressly will agree with the word of God. You know, many of us struggle with decisions. Many times we have to take steps, or you have a particular situation that has come up in your life, and you are asking, what should I do? At that time, there will be so many ideas, and so many, both from yourself, inside you, the Spirit of God will be talking to you, and people will be talking with you as well. 
But I tell you the truth, you have to take a decision. Many times it's not, it's not always so straightforward. So, one of the things you need to do is to make a choice by elimination. <laughs> I was studying recently on uh, how to do some of these multiple test questions. And one of the advice was that there's only one correct answer. <laughs> if you say choose A to, to E, there's only one that is correct. So, if you know that this one is not correct, you eliminate it. So, that drops one out of it. Amen? So, many times as well, when we are testing our situation, our, our, the counsel we are getting, both within ourselves and from, from wherever it's coming, we need to recognize that the counsel of God essentially will not contradict or question the word of God. It's essentially in agreement with the truth of the word of God. Amen? When an advice or instruction outrightly violates clear biblical principle or instruction, it is ungodly. I dare give these formulas, if you like. <laughs> Praise the Lord. When anybody gives you any counsel, any advice on any issue that is contrary to the word of God, that violates a clear principle of the word of God, then I can tell you automatically, you can drop that one. Out of the many choices. Drop that. That's wrong. Amen? Praise the Lord. Another point is, when a word or counsel questions, when it questions the direct instruction of God, direct word of God, as a scheme, to undermine or challenge the truth of the word of God by alternative human philosophy or concept. It is ungodly. Praise the Lord. That's what the psalmist says, Blessed is the man that does not sit in the counsel of the ungodly. Amen? The counsel of the ungodly does not agree with the counsel of God. So when a word contradicts the word of God, or questions the truth of the word of God as a scheme to give you an alternative view, alternative direction, it can only lead to disobedience, praise the Lord. We can see example, it's a critical and standard approach of the devil. In the book of Genesis, right from the beginning, the question that Eve had to answer when the... When the when, when the, the, the serpent came in subtlety to him, to her rather, the Bible says in verse 1 of chapter 3, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea. You know, yea means what? Yes, right? But then he went on to say, Yes, had God said, that was a very sort of, you know, a very interesting, you know, way of challenging the word of God. He says, indeed, God has said you should not eat of this fruit. Because that's what, the, that's what you know, um, Eve said to the, to the, he said, 
Yea, had God said, Ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden? In other words, did God really say you should not eat of the, of the, of the fruit of the tree of this garden? That was clearly what God said, right? So why, why is the enemy questioning it again? <laughs> Praise the Lord. It was just an attempt to bring Eve to negotiation. To bring Eve to begin to then question the truth of the word of God. And begin to look for an alternative idea behind it. It was very plain. Thou shalt not eat. The day you eat it, you shall what? You shall die. But then the devil said, did God really say you should not eat it? And the woman said unto serpents, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. So Eve was not ignorant. Eve was never ignorant of the clear, transparent, plain word of God because she repeated it to the devil. But by opening the question in the first place, she had opened up herself to temptation. Amen? And that is one thing we need to beware when you want to test ungodly counsel. It may not immediately, outrightly challenge the truth. It just opens it for further you know, investigation <laughs> so that you can, you can understand it better and maybe find a loophole for disobedience. Praise the Lord. Then the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. And that is the problem. This is okay. The reason why God said you should not eat it is because you will die. But I can tell you, if you eat it, you will not die. So we now moved away from outright obedience to now investigating an opportunity for disobedience. In other words, you can do it and get away with it. Amen? That is how we often fall into ungodly counsel. We begin to see that, yeah, if I don't even obey this thing, nothing will happen to me. If God says, thou shalt not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for instance, say in marriage, a young lady. Some people will not even dare open up the subject. But another person will say, well, so many people have done it and they've... In fact, the, the, the man is now a man of God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God in his mercy sometimes rescues us, despite ourselves. Amen? But the truth is that you have gone into... And some do not have that opportunity to, if, if you like, recover from disobedience. We see, we see examples. But on the other, on the other hand... Godly counsel directs us to a straight agreement with the word of God in plain terms. Praise the Lord. Godly counsel will outrightly tell you, this is what the word says, and this is how it should be. Praise the Lord. When we are operating, you know, anywhere in between, we are looking for trouble. And otherwise, we end up 
in serious trouble. In the book of Psalm, uh, first Samuel rather, we see the example of David, or rather of Saul. In chapter 15, verse 1, it's a very long, you know, a chapter to read. Um, but I'll just try to bring out the key aspect. In verse 11, the Bible says, It repented me. God was saying to Samuel, It repented me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he is turned back from following me. The chapter is 15, First Samuel. For he is turned back from following me and had not performed my commandments. And he grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. The Bible says in verse 13, And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou the Lord of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What sheep in mine ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? The commandment was for Saul to kill everything. Don't keep anything back. But Saul says, They have brought them from the Amalekites for the people. Saul did not take full responsibility for this problem. He said, For the people did what? They spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord has said to me this night. We know exactly what happened to Saul. He never had opportunity. He was replaced, like our brother was saying. He was immediately what? Replaced. For another who was willing to obey the Lord totally. And that was what made the difference expressly between Samuel, between Saul and David. Praise the Lord. So we see like the case of Saul, many of us do not outrightly choose directly, plainly to disobey or to violate the counsel of God. We always often have a good, what? Excuse. We always have a good reason. Even when, you know, God got back to Adam and Eve, Eve had a, but each of them had a good reason. You know, it started with, with Adam. Adam said, well, it's Eve. And then Eve said, is the what? Is the serpent. We, could, we also can always have a good excuse. But we know that that is not acceptable. Praise the Lord. Many other times, the, also, the other question, so the first test is, does it agree or contradict the word of God, express word of God? I tell you the truth, many times when you have to take a decision, the Spirit of God will immediately run that test in your heart. The word of God will come, contrary word will come, that will tell you, this is not the counsel of God. And many scriptures will run through your heart. But if we are not sensitive in the spirit, or if we are already, you know, allowed our heart, 
you know, to, 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 to edge, to move away from God, we probably will not be able to respond appropriately. Praise the Lord. Then we will look for the opportunities like, like Eve did. We look for opportunities. In the book of First Kings, we see Solomon, the man that was endowed with wisdom. So much wisdom. The Bible says in verse 1, but chapter 11. First Kings 11.1 1. But King Solomon loved many strange women together with... You see, Solomon had a lot of wisdom. <laughs> but he had a lot of women too. <laughs> and the outright failure of Solomon was not just that he had a lot of wives and concubines. It was a direct violation of the word of God. The Bible says in verse 2, Of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go in to them, neither shall they, shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. So if Solomon had had many wives within the camp of God's people, he probably would have still stayed in God's counsel. But he had, the Bible says in verse 1, women of the Moabites, and Ammonites, and Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. Hittites. And in verse In verse 9, because he loved this woman, the purpose of God indeed in his life was jeopardized. Amen? Because the Bible says, and Solomon, in verse 6, and Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as David his father did. Verse 7, then did Solomon build an high place for Shemosh, the abomination of Moab. And so on, he did for all his wives. He built altars for all his wives to worship what? Their gods. And he was to be the king in Israel to lead God's people to worship God. But because he violated the clear word of God, don't marry of the wives of, of the children of these people. Don't let them come. Don't take them as their wife. He violated that, that part because he thought he was what? He was king. He could get away with it. But his wives turned his heart to idolatry. The Bible says in verse 11, Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee. You know, the kingdom, God has made a promise to David that his kingdom will be a what? An everlasting kingdom. But this was his son now, in violation of God's clear instruction, had put that covenant to jeopardy. And God said, because you have done this, indeed, your kingdom will not continue. 
It says, I will take it from thee and give it to who? To thy servant. Praise the Lord. And we see in verse 26, further down, in fulfillment of that, that God's promise, he said, And Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and Ephratite of Zerudah, Solomon's servant, whose mother's name was Zeruah, a widow woman, even he lifted up his hand against the king. So Solomon started seeing rebellion in his kingdom. And one of his servants, Jeroboam, went into rebellion against him. And we can read this story long up to verse 40. The gist of the story is indeed that Jeroboam eventually, according to what God has said, took over the kingdom because God actually caused the kingdom to be what? To be divided. The Bible says, And the man, Jeroboam, was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon, seeing the young man, that he was industrious. You know, God didn't tell Solomon who the servant was going to be. God said to him, I will take the kingdom from thee and will give it to your servant. But he didn't tell him who he was going to The Bible says, And the man, Jeroboam, was a mighty man. And Solomon, seeing the young man, that he was industrious, he made him ruler over the charge of the house of Joseph. And it came to pass at that time, when Jeroboam went out to Jerusalem, that the prophet Ahijah, the Shilonite, found him in the way, and he had clad himself with a new garment, and they two were alone in the field. And Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him, and rent it in what? In twelve pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, Take thee ten pieces, for thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon, we give it, and will give ten tribes to thee. But he shall have one tribe for my servant David's sake. And that's the, you know, the, the awesomeness of God's mercy and grace. And, and you know, he's a covenant-keeping God. Just because of his servant David's sake, he said, okay, I will, rent, I will give ten to you, but because of David, my servant, I will retain two. Praise the Lord. If the Bible says that eventually Jeroboam went into exile because, you know, as usual, when just like it happened between Saul and David, when, if you like, uh, Solomon realized that this is actually the man that would take the kingdom, he sought to do what? To destroy him, to kill him, and he fled into Egypt. And he was there for many years. And eventually Solomon reigned in Jerusalem, verse 42, over all Israel over 40 years, and slept with his fathers and was buried. And thereafter, his son, Rehoboam, came into the picture. Amen? We saw also how, eventually, Rehoboam, not listening to the counsel of the elders, if you like, the Bible says he listened to the counsel of the young men, and said he was going to exact oppression against the people, and the kingdom went into what? Into division. 
We can see that the Bible says in verse 15, the Bible says, Wherefore the king hearkened unto the people, for a cause, for the cause was from the Lord. Amen? The cause was from the Lord. The Bible says, Because of that, when all Israel saw that Rehoboam hearkened not unto them, the people answered the king, saying, What portion have we in what? In David. Neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel. Praise the Lord. The Bible says, But as for the children of Israel, which dwelt in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam reigned over them. So the kingdom was divided where you have Rehoboam reigning in what? In Judah. And then, verse 21. Oh, let's go to verse 19. So Israel rebelled against the house of David unto this day. And it came to pass, when all Israel heard that Jeroboam was come again, that they sent and called him unto the congregation and made him what? Made him king over all Israel. There was none that followed the house of David but the tribe of Judah only. Praise the Lord. So we see where a simple violation of God's instruction led to the division of the kingdom. And except for God's mercy and the fact that he was retaining his covenant with his son David, the kingdom would have been completely destroyed from the lineage of, of David. But another interesting thing we see here was that Immediately Jeroboam took over, the Bible says in verse 25, chapter 12, Then Jeroboam built Shechem in Mount Ephraim and dwelt there, and went out from thence and built what? Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, that's another form of counsel, Jeroboam took counsel in his heart and said what? Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David, if these people go up to sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Sometimes another test that we can use to know whether we are already picking on the counsel of the ungodly is what is motivating that action? Is it based on your own self-protection? Many times we excuse ourselves for not taking the right counsel because we think that we are trying to protect our own, you know, whatever. We're trying to protect our pride, our ego, or a sense of insecurity. If God says, if God said to, to um, you know, the, to, what's his name, to go to Nineveh, Jonah, he said, go to Nineveh, but for whatever reason, later we got to understand, I, 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 don't, I still don't quite understand why Jonah decided not to. He decided to go completely the other way. He probably didn't feel comfortable going to Nineveh. 
And for that reason, he took a sheep and went completely the other direction. In this case, God has already made a promise to Jeroboam that he will be with him. He will give him the kingdom. Ahijah made that promise. He said, God says, I will give you the kingdom. I will take it from Solomon. I will give it to you. And I will be with you. But out of a sense of insecurity, trying to protect himself, the Bible says, Jeroboam, instead of allowing the people, Jeroboam was afraid. He said, if I allow the people to go to Jerusalem to worship the Lord there, then their heart, the heart of the people, may return unto Jehovah. And then I will seize, I will lose my kingdom. That's also one of the problems we struggle with. The, the, the idea of what? Self-protection. We want to protect our pride or our ego or whatever it is. We do not hearken to the voice of God. For that reason, Jeroboam built altars for the people. And said, don't go to Jerusalem to worship. Stay here and worship so that you will not go back to Judah. If, if, the Bible says in verse 27, if these people go up to sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, they, then shall the heart of the people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king. So whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Such idolatry. Purely because, not only in violation of the word of God, he created his own altars and appointed priests unto them. The Bible says, and verse 29, and he set the one in Bethel and the other he put in what? In Dan. And this thing became a sin for the people. For the people went to worship before one, even unto Dan. And he made an house of high places, and made priests of the lowest of the people, which were not of the sons of Levi. And Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month, on the fifteenth day of the month, like unto the feast of, that is in Judah. And he offered upon the altar. And he created another, if you like, religion. Another cult of religion. Against the counsel of God. Praise the Lord. So we see another reason that we can use to test the counsel, whether it's of God or not, is who are you trying to protect? Are you trying to protect yourself, your own glory, your own honor, or the glory of God? Praise the Lord. Are you trying to protect yourself or are you trying to protect the glory of God? The Bible gives us another, another case, almost just in the next chapter, of a prophet of God. And God sent to speak to this situation concerning Jeroboam. The Bible says that prophet came in chapter 13. He prophesied against all the altars that Jeroboam had set up. It says in verse, and in verse 2, chapter, chapter 13, And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord, and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, behold, a child shall be born unto thee, 
unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. This prophet came of the Lord. And God had spoken to this prophet that after speaking, he should simply go back through another route that he came. He should not sit with any man to take to eat or to drink. Amen? And indeed, immediately he finished speaking. The Bible says in verse 7, And the king said unto the man of God, Come home with me and refresh thyself, and I will give thee what? A reward. And the man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. The man of God initially set out to obey God. Amen? But then the Bible says, Later, another prophet, who is an old prophet, who had been in that city for such a long time, went to meet this prophet, and he said unto him, in verse 18, I am a prophet also, as you. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee unto thy house, that he may eat bread and drink water. The Bible says, but he did what? He lied unto him. So, another test we need to recognize is that a counsel is not godly because it's coming from a man of God. If it violates the clear instruction and of the word of God. Amen? Many of us, it's, we're vulnerable. And that's, that's, that we can expect. Out of respect. But Paul was writing to some of the Christians. He says, if another man should come to you and, teach and preach another gospel unto you, except this gospel that I have preached unto you, then let that man be what? Be accursed. Right? So, indeed, the word of God remains the fundamental, the final authority on any subject. No matter who is speaking, praise the Lord. The cancer, some of us run with a, with a contrary idea because it is coming from somebody that has some spiritual authority. If it outrightly violates the word of God, it is not the counsel of God. Amen? Praise the Lord. The another thing we need to check is that does that counsel violate present, or if you like, does it satisfy temporary selfish gain at the expense of future generation? There is another example in the book of Isaiah. We read of Hezekiah, in the book of chapter 39 of Isaiah, the Bible says, after Hezekiah had already been healed of his sickness, right? And God has granted him more years. Amen? Sometimes when we pass through difficult situations in life and we come through, rather than, you know, because we are afraid that such 
terrible things could actually happen to, to a Christian. <laughs> if we're not careful, we become vulnerable to the enemy. Praise the Lord. The Bible says, after Ezekiah had survived that situation, at that time, Merodach Baladam, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and present to Ezekiah, for he had heard that he had been sick and was recovered. The Bible says Ezekiah was glad. He received, you know, the Bible says, sit not in the counsel of the ungodly. But he received this emissary from the king of Babylon. And he took them into the house of God and showed them all the treasures of the house of God. He did not seek counsel of God. Is this the right thing to do or not? The Bible says Isaiah went to Hezekiah, chapter, verse 5. Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the day is come that all that is in thy house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store unto this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And of thy sons that issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away. And they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. You know, Ezekiah had sickness unto death. But when he prayed, the Bible says the Lord answered him, right? One would have expected that Ezekiah would not be intimidated by this situation. Or even after making this error, he will call on the name of the Lord and ask for mercy. But verse 8 says, Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. He said, Moreover, for there shall be what? Peace and truth. In whose days? In my days. All that Zechariah cared about was what? That there should be peace in his own. And he sacrificed and jeopardized the interest of future generations. Praise the Lord. The question we ask ourselves, when we take counsel or take decisions, are we jeopardizing the future generation? How is it going to impact on the children that you have? There are some decisions we take. Maybe you want to go somewhere. And maybe because of money that you're going to get. And you are worried to say, how would this affect my children? Our brother was sharing how he was seeking the Lord. And say, how are we going to cope in this place? But the Lord granted him wisdom. Amen? And his children are doing well today. Amen? Because whatever we do, even if it seems to be a challenge, but when we seek the face of God, when we inquire of Him, He will grant us wisdom. Amen? He will grant us a way out. So we need to be careful that our decisions are not taken purely because of our own selfish gains and jeopardize future generations. Praise the Lord. Does it agree or violate God's purpose? We need to ask that question. Does it agree or violate God's, God's purpose? So these are tests, what I call test questions we can use to evaluate our counsel that we receive or the counsel we are being, we are considering in our heart. Does it work on the wisdom of God or the wisdom of this world. The Bible says the wisdom of God is what? Is first pure. And what? Peaceable. Is what? Easy to be entreated. 
is without partiality. Amen? We have all these tests. When you are taking a decision, and the wisdom of that decision does not pass this test, it is not of God. Amen? But how do we build godly counsel? Verse 2 says, but his word. But his word. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Amen? That is the sure foundation to build godly counsel. We delight in the word. The psalmist says in Psalm 27 verse 4, it says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. Amen? We need to inquire of the Lord. We see clear difference between David and Saul. Each time David had opportunity to go to war, he was not carried away by the history of, you know, exploits that he has been doing. Each time he went to who? To the Lord. I was discussing with a brother recently and he said, the first thing you do in any situation, no matter how simple, is to inquire of the Lord. God, this situation, this thing I'm about to do, this counsel I receive, how does it pan out with you? How does it flow with you? You ask God and the Spirit of God says He will guide you. Amen? We need to acknowledge the Lord. The Bible says, know your ways, acknowledge Him. And He shall do what? He will direct your path. The Bible says, you have the spirit of counsel. The spirit of God in us is the spirit of counsel. That spirit does not judge by what? By what He sees with the, with the, with the ordinary eye. Amen? He judges by the spirit of God, by the eye of God. Amen? Praise the Lord. There's a lot of blessing in one or two minutes, I have to round up. There's a lot of blessing in following and heeding the counsel of God. The Bible says, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. You know, verse 3 says, he shall be like a tree, what? Planted by the rivers of water. That bringeth forth his fruit in his season. What that means is that when it is time to bring forth, you shall bring forth. Amen? It shall not be delayed. Because you have planted in the counsel of God, in the house of God, all the time. You do not run your own life your own way. Amen? The Bible says, those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Amen? They shall still bring forth fruit, even in old age. Amen? Praise the Lord. You know, some of us can still bring forth fruit, even in old age. Amen? And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought. When you are planted by the rivers of water, the Lord shall make your bones fat. Amen? And that shall be like a what? Watered garden. Like a spring of water whose waters fail not. Amen? <coughs> Excuse me. Therefore, Jeremiah 31, 12, 13, shall they come and sing in the height of Zion. They shall flow together to the goodness of the Lord for wheat, for wine, and for oil, and the young of the flock and of the head, and their soul shall be what? As a watered garden. The watered garden is ever green. Praise the Lord. And they shall not sorrow anymore. Amen. Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, both young men and the old together, for I will turn their mourning into joy. Amen. The promises of God are yea and amen. 
We just need to stay in the place of His promise. Amen? You cannot run your life and expect God, you know, to, to, you know, to just respond to you the way you want Him to respond to. When you are not what? Responding unto Him. Praise the Lord. So the word of God for us today is, if you hear His voice, I can tell you clearly, the subtlest hindrance, the biggest hindrance to us hearing the word of God, or the counsel of God, is the what? Is a hard heart. It's easy for our heart to be hard, and we don't even recognize it. The Bible says, if you hear his voice this day, harden not your heart as in the provocation, as in the day of provocation, of, of temptation in the wilderness. The Bible says, when your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my work, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. There is yet a rest for us, amen? And that rest actually is purely in Heeding the word of God. Open our heart to hear him. When he speaks to us, let us receive grace to hear. Let's stand up. Let's just ask God to talk, to, to soften our heart this day. He said, God, soften my heart. Let me not be carried away with myself. Grant me grace to hear your voice. That was what we prayed when we started this meeting. I want you to repeat that prayer before God. Whatever the Lord is speaking unto you right now, the Bible says, when you hear his voice this day, harden not your heart. Let the Spirit of God soften your heart. So God, remove a hard heart from me. Grant me a heart of flesh. Remove the heart of stone from me. That I will be able to respond appropriately to your word. And the counsel, your purpose for my life, the goodness of your house that you have proposed unto me, they will come and manifest. And men shall see it and give glory to your holy name. And so shall it be consigning us, O God. Even as we stand before you this day, we ask, let your spirit do a new work in our lives, O God. Cause our heart to be, to be softened, O God. Replace our heart of stone with a heart of flesh, O God. That we might heed your word. That we not be, we'll be not reprobate disobedient children, O God. In the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Let's share the grace together. The grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The love of God. The fellowship of the Lord. Be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. And we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. I want you to say that to somebody. Just prophesy into somebody's life now. Say, goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. As you dwell in the house of the Lord. As you dwell in His presence to hear His word all the days of your life. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Lord bless you. Go in the peace of the Lord.